Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. All right, so check this out. The Haunting at the Brewery. I was reading some true stories on this sub, and I remembered that I'd never shared this one It's not super elaborate or flashy, but it actually happened. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. About a decade back, I used to work at a brewery or pub. It was set in a pretty big and old building from the early 1900s. I worked there for a couple of years and most of the time it was pretty chill, but backbreaking at times. During my time working there, I had two experiences that I can only describe as supernatural. The first one, it was a particularly late night, and I was tasked with closing up the hangar and loading docks. Closing it up was making sure there wasn't anything obstructing where the trucks would park, stacking up any loose crates, turning the lights off, and locking it all up. I was about done, so I turn off the lights, and as I'm making my way to the door, a beer bottle comes rolling towards me from the dark between the tall stack of crates. It wasn't forceful or anything, it looked like someone gently placed it on the floor and then rolled it towards me. I didn't think too much of it, so I picked up the bottle and placed it inside a half-empty crate. I turned around, and as I started walking, Another bottle comes rolling from the same place, and then another one. Tired and thinking it was a co-worker just trying to mess with me, I shout, Hey, alright, you got me. Come on, I gotta close it up. I expected to hear laughter or something, but instead, it was dead silent. I waited for a couple of minutes, turned on my flashlight, and started looking around the stacks of crates for what I thought would be a giggling co-worker. After searching each corner in turn, I gave up. I was a little weirded out at this point, but I just picked up the two bottles from the ground and placed them in the same crate as the first one. I turned off my flashlight, and I shouted at the darkness, All right, I'm locking up. See you tomorrow. And just as I finished saying that, a crate full of bottles fell from one of the stacks and landed two feet from me. Glass shards and beer explode everywhere. The next day I told my boss about it and he said it was probably just a rat. The thing is though, those crates when full, they weigh about 20 pounds. How could a rat push that? Talking to my coworkers, 
They told me that they've also experienced weird stuff during closing hours. My second experience happened again when I was closing the place. This time, I was closing the pub. When closing the pub, the last thing you usually do is restock the walk-in freezer. The freezer is probably just as old as the building itself, and it sits underground right beneath the bar. I was down there filling that enormous thing with kegs and crates. Being a very old freezer from a time when safety wasn't a big concern, the thing doesn't open from the inside. There's no handle in there, just a flat, plain steel door. So I did what I always did when I had to go inside that thing, and I put a keg securing the door open. I was halfway through the task when I hear the door slam shut. I rush towards the door, but it's locked. I started pounding on it, but the only other person there was my boss in the office, two floors above me. Probably with his door closed, too. I tried my phone, but since I'm locked underground inside a steel and lead box, I have no service. I was wearing only jeans and a t-shirt, so things were getting chilly pretty quickly. My face was going numb and my hands were getting stiff. I made a blanket out of cardboard, but it was doing very little to keep the cold at bay. The only reason I didn't freeze to death was because I had a date with a regular and she went there looking for me. She asked my boss where I was and when he couldn't find me, he went to the basement and found me inside the freezer. I was in there for about 45 minutes when he found me and I was starting to consider writing a letter to my parents and drinking myself to sleep. My boss installed a chain to keep the door open after that, but I refused to ever walk into that death trap again. The weirdest part? The keg that I had holding the door open was at the other side of the room when I got out. It was a full steel keg, not something that just slides away, let alone quietly. I stopped working there shortly after for unrelated reasons. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Encounter with a Witch in an Indian Village There's a history of witchcraft from where I am and there's numerous witch stories and incidents from centuries ago. The one I'm about to tell is real and it's one that happened to me. When I was seven or eight years old, I used to play with my buddy in a large field behind my house. 
It was winter when the terrifying incident occurred. The sun was setting at about 5.30, casting an eerie glow over the surroundings. My buddy and I had wandered quite far from home, and a thick layer of fog began to blanket the area. Knowing it was time to head back, we started walking, hoping to find the distant lights of our neighborhood. After a few minutes, we stumbled upon a small area filled with bamboo trees, a place that we'd seen before. In the middle of this eerie grove was a small pond. We grew uneasy as we realized this was the opposite direction from our home. Confused and frightened, we turned around and ventured forward, our vision obscured by the fog. We walked carefully through the dried up winter rice fields, barely able to see anything beyond our feet. Suddenly, we encountered an old lady on our path. She was hunched over, clutching a dusty cloth that resembled a bag. Her old sari was torn and worn, and she appeared to be a beggar. We approached her, thinking she might be trying to convey something to us. But as she uttered incomprehensible gibberish, a really bad, rotten smell filled the air. Looking up at her, we saw her eyes glowing with a sinister, yellow-red hue, and she began to laugh maniacally. Overwhelmed by fear, we sprinted away, desperate to escape her clutches. After what felt like an eternity, we finally find our homes. Trembling, I recounted the horrifying encounter to my family. My grandmother's face turned pale, and she hurriedly sprinkled ganja water or holy water, on me, muttering prayers under her breath. She explained that we had come face to face with a daini, or a witch. The next day, I fell gravely ill with a high fever that lasted for a whole week. To make matters worse, my friend contracted a severe case of pox shortly afterward, his condition far more agonizing than mine. The Woman in the Window This story happened to my boyfriend, but it's so creepy, I had to share. My boyfriend grew up in a small town in India. He lived in a small, gated community, and he was at the end of the street. Next to his house was a forest. One night, he woke up, he took his blanket and pillow to the couch, and turned on the TV. He then fell back to sleep. In his own words, he described what followed as an out-of-body experience, similar to a lucid dream. His consciousness seemed detached from his physical form, as if observing himself from a surreal vantage point. There he was, fixated on the television screen, which emitted nothing but a static haze. No TV show, no movie, just static. Strangely enough, he found himself transfixed. He then woke up and felt a wash of fear and quickly walked down the hallway to get back to his bedroom. At the end of the hall outside of his bedroom was a window. He looked out the window and saw a woman looking back at him standing at the edge of the forest. I asked him what she looked like. He says she was tall, had black hair, and was dressed in white. 
He said her mouth was hung open. They stared at each other for a bit before he ran into his room. He fell back asleep and in the morning he assumed it was all a dream. Until he walked out of his room and saw his pillow and blanket in the same position on the couch and the static still on the TV. It gives me chills just rewriting it. My Pennywise animatronic is haunted. Okay, so I posted this in another subreddit, and I know some folks don't believe me, but this is 100% true. I was talking to my friend about it a while ago, and we were both wondering why this entity, that's not a mean entity, would attach itself to a six and a half foot tall Pennywise the Dancing Clown animatronic. And the only thing that I can figure is it probably was the most human looking thing at the Halloween store. So I used to work at a haunted Halloween store. Anyone who worked there often had some creepy story from encountering the ghosts. We had a homeless man with a collection of dolls who lived out behind the store and he probably wasn't the first or only homeless guy to live there. It was a good spot. I bought an animatronic Pennywise clown from the store at a fantastic discount. I was so excited when I brought him home. He and my animatronic collection bring the neighborhood and me and my family so much joy around Halloween. My house was not haunted, but after we brought him home, weird things started happening. For example, I woke up one night to a clown standing at the foot of my bed. It wasn't just a nightmare thing either. It stayed there after I blinked and jumped up screaming. But when we put Pennywise away down in the basement, the activity stops. We've had him since 2019. And every time I bring him upstairs, stuff starts happening. Like the lights flicker. Two years ago, the light in my bathroom started going off like a strobe light. My toddler saw it too and asked if we could shut the door because it was scaring him. It went on and on for like half an hour. One time, Pennywise's eyes were glowing. My husband saw this too, and if I remember right, he wasn't plugged in. This last season, when we brought him upstairs, he moved, turning his whole body toward me while I was sitting in my chair. He wasn't plugged in either. Even if he was plugged in, He's not supposed to move like that. It would have required deliberate effort to move him. Also, a bulb upstairs started flickering like a strobe light and wouldn't stop until I acknowledged it and filmed it. It had a clear rhythm to it and went on for several minutes. I got the distinct impression that he wanted to go back into the basement. I did an EVP and video session when I was alone with my toddler asleep and I caught distinct rhythmic bangs on the wall next to me. Not anywhere near the room my toddler was in, thank goodness. I also caught a possible light anomaly. Oh, and about the lights. None of these lights ever died or even flickered again after these instances. We put Pennywise back into the basement after Halloween. My husband set him up so he's looking out the window. A few odd things happened, mostly some helpful things. 
I was looking for something all over. I'd looked in my bedroom multiple times. I go back in there, and there the thing was, right in front of my nightstand, nicely folded, and where I put my feet when I get up in the morning. It hadn't been there before. Music started playing on my phone when I needed to be somewhere, but forgot to set my alarm. You would have had to deliberately push a button to get this music to play. Then it just, it just stopped. It was almost like he was saying, thanks for putting me back in the basement and with a view. And all the instances have settled down. However, when I'm going through a hard time, I'll smell cigarette smoke and alcohol. No one in my house smokes or drinks, yet sometimes the smell is so strong I can taste it. I've also smelled perfume and no one wears perfume in my house. I have a sensory sensitivity to smell and most perfumes make me sick. That's when I really wish I had a spirit box. I have questions, but I really don't want to invite anything else into my home. I mean, I'm fine with this Pennywise ghost. Whoever they are, they're not mean. But I don't want anything negative in my home. It's our sanctuary. I don't really know what to do. I guess it doesn't matter. I don't have to talk about it, but I'm just really curious. Back in 98, my best friend Jessica and I were really into ghosts and gore. We would have her dad rent Faces of Death on the weekends, camp out at her house and just indulge. Working at the video store was your typical video store employee back in the 90s. He's late 20s, single, lives with his mom. You get it. He and his mom lived in the neighborhood for quite a while, so he had all the stories. We would spend hours in the video store looking over videos and conversing with Jim. Jim had all the neighborhood stories. There was this house at the end of my street, which was closer to Jessica's house, that constantly had families moving in and out. All short stays, I mean, no longer than a year. Our high school bus stop was directly in front of this home. The longest tenants in the home were a gothic kid and his older mom. They stayed for the better part of a year. While at the video store one day, Jim tells us the story of the house at our bus stop and why no one seems to be able to live in it for an extended period of time. The story goes, there was a party in the house back in the 70s, and supposedly a woman was decapitated, wrapped up in the carpet, and then relocated. Needless to say, my friend and I have to investigate. And by this time, the house is empty, so it's perfect. She spends the night at my house, and we plan to sneak out in the middle of the night to check it out. The time comes, it's about 2 or 3 in the morning. Jess and I, for whatever reason, crawl on all fours down the street until we're a safe distance from my house. We enter the house through the backyard, we pass the pool, and proceeded into the house through the kitchen. The kitchen area is an open floor plan attached to the living room with the bathroom and the bedrooms breaking off. We were being real disrespectful, 
I can't recall what we were doing or saying, but it wasn't nice. We walked into the bathroom closet and then to the kitchen and start to smell this horrid stench, something along the lines of rotting meat. We walk into the bathroom and all of a sudden this bright green orb comes shooting out of the toilet headed straight towards us. We screamed and ran out the back door, past the swimming pool and past the window of the bathroom that we just ran out of. The entire bathroom was illuminated a bright green color and we ran our asses back to my house and we never went back. Real Investigation and Finding Ghosts The date of this investigation was February 7th, 2022. Every paranormal investigator has had one of those evenings during an investigation. You're trying to get a reading on your EMF or attempting to find cold or hot spots with the thermal monitor. However, you find absolutely nothing. But you carry on and explore further because you know the history of the house or location and you're determined to find something, anything, to prove that ghosts exist, to verify to the skeptics that there is life after death. I find indoor locations to be the most interesting. They're quiet and enclosed and you can really see everything within your peripheral vision. What makes it better is that you hear the activity in the other rooms that you can't actually see, making the atmosphere feel incredibly eerie, something that gives paranormal investigators their rush to want more. What a fantastic experience our location was. It was filled with incredibly prepared, determined, and ready investigators, bringing along the necessary equipment that would surely grab the spirit's attention. One of the most pivotal moments in the night was the use of the REM pod. We had all transferred to the second floor and we had use of the two bedroom styled rooms. We decided to set up equipment in both rooms. Room one had the REM pod located in the center of the room along with one chair next to the window. We decided to place the pod in this location because investigators had past encounters in this room feeling the darkness that was located in the corner, emitting the feeling of being watched. And I must admit, going into that room for the first time made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. A paranormal investigator's mind must be prepared to feel all sorts of strange and challenging emotions within a possible haunted area. I suppose it didn't help that the building was physically deteriorating too, emulating an already spooky feeling inside the room. The second room didn't have as much of a threatening feeling as compared to the first one, so we placed a foldable mirror on top of the fireplace, which, along with the dim room, allowed the spirits to travel between the two realms much more easily. I think this gave some of the group a different sense in this room, but at least the doorway to alternate realms wasn't near the raging REM pod. Once everything was in place, we attempted the inverted seance, a highly used practice to try and feel the presence of anything paranormal, either in front of us or around us. What made this a credible execution 
was having all of the investigators facing out whilst standing in a circle holding hands. You have that knowledge of complete stillness from the group. Additionally, it eliminates the possibility of the potential breathing on one another and accidentally thinking it's a spirit passing you. Everything was in place and we were ready to start contacting the spirit realm. I could tell some of us were feeling a little uneasy, but we had to push forward. Upon performing the inverted seance, the majority of the investigators felt a sudden increase in temperature, whereby they were sweating and complaining that it was very hot. I, on the other hand, didn't feel this phenomenon. Could I be the one affected at this point rather than everyone else in the room? It was something I definitely considered. Furthermore, the entire group, including myself, felt extreme dizziness to the point where we all felt like passing out. I'm not sure any of us had felt anything quite as powerful that had the power to affect eight different people all at once. During this session, the REM pod located in the other room consistently reacted to something in the room. At the beginning of the investigation, we all scanned the area using an EMF reader to see if there was any intrusion of magnetic fields throughout the entire property, for which we received absolutely no readings. Not only that, but their property is known to have very little power running through. At this point in the investigation, I felt as though this could have been one of the most compelling pieces of evidence that we've ever witnessed. We needed someone to go to that room alone with the camera and record it as it had been detecting some kind of magnetic field for over 10 minutes. Realizing that the REM pod was reacting so vigorously to our seance in the other room, we all decided to move on to part two of the experiment, which was to attempt a human pendulum test in which all investigators except one stand in a circle whilst the last group member stands in the middle. The members creating the circle will ask the spirits, who will respond through the middle member, to sway the central member in a direction that would determine the word yes, and then again for the word no. I had never taken part in the human pendulum in the past, as I had always gone to explore different areas of past investigations, so this was new to me, and I was excited to see how this worked. The group started the experiment. We found this experiment particularly interesting. Not only was the member in the center of the circle responding to the questions, but the REM pod created a different pattern, which only pulsed after we received answers, which was fascinating to see as a first-time participant. We managed to get a clip of the REM pod reacting to nothing in the room. However, we weren't able to collect enough evidence to show the activity that was being performed in the other room. Hopefully, in the future, I'll be much more prepared to show you that the paranormal does indeed exist. This property will definitely be one to return to. Thanks for reading. Faye. Hey, <clears throat> it's me. Never done one of these um, outro things before. I don't think I want to ramble too much, but I do just want to talk about a couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, thank you for making it this far into the episode. That means a lot to me. 
Thank you so much. Super appreciated. Uh, one of my favorite things um, about putting things on the internet is uh, reading comments or like reviews, you know? Um, so, I mean, if you could leave a review, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. Uh, all I do is learn from that, you know, and then we get better. So even, even if it's a bad one, um, it's cool. If it's a good one, even better. <laughs> uh, let's see here. This is a podcast exclusive episode. This content did not get a sister YouTube release. Normally the content is pretty mirrored on both sides. The same time I put up a podcast episode, it'll go up on YouTube at the same time. But you know, it's weird, man. It's like the YouTube audience doesn't mine at least they don't like ghost story videos i don't understand like i do like i love glitch in the matrix stories obviously i love um you know danger like generally scary stories where somebody follows somebody and there's like danger present and i like ghost stories as well i like it all but um yeah, dude, anytime I put up a ghost stories video on YouTube, it does very poorly. But when I put it up on the podcast, it does very well. So, well, you know, it's all good, man. It's like everything that you do on the internet is an experiment. Um, and again, learn from that. So what I've learned is that I might just do podcast exclusive episodes for ghost stories because I know you like them so much. Or at least the data tells me you do. Started collecting Funko pop figures um but not just any funko pops dude like pops from the 90s like 90s cartoons <laughs> i've got a uh a dexter his sister dd and a courage the cowardly dog pop it's not an impressive collection yet but i mean it's i'm three deep but it's so fun i'm notoriously hard to shop for um i'm the guy that's like you know mrs weber will be like what do you want for your birthday or for christmas and i'm like i don't want nothing i already got it all because I do. When I see something I want, I, I just, I usually, I just get it. But this kind of does a couple things. It scratches this nostalgic 90s itch that I, that I, that I just cannot satisfy <laughs> for some reason. Um, and it also gives me an answer for when somebody asks, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Father's Day? Now I can say, I want a Funko Pop from the 90s, you know? So, a little strategic, a little two-in-one Two birds, one stone collection there. Dang, I didn't. I said I didn't want to ramble, but I did anyway. All right. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you making it this far. Um, if you liked this rambly outro, <laughs> let me know. Um, I'll put up like a thing on Spotify at least where you can leave a comment. Okay, cool. Got to go. See you in the next one.